Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Byrne. It's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, April 15th. Ouch. 2019. How are you guys doing today on this fucking tax day? Huh? Oh, Uncle Sam's knocking at your door. Uncle Sam, he's a whore. He's taking all your fucking money. Unless you didn't do shit. And then he gives you some. I didn't do anything this year, Uncle Sam. Oh, there, there. Here's some money for you. Hey, Uncle Sam, I worked my balls off. I'll take that. <laughs> um, anyways, I hope today finds you on the fun side of tax day. I hope it does. I hope it does. You know, it's funny as I actually found a fucking W-9 or whatever. I have to go give to my accountant. And it's the 15th, and he's going to be like, well, where the fuck was this when fucking I was asking where all your fucking dummy fucking nines were, man? My my lawyer is, uh, he's a southern character. Um, my lawyer, my my accountant. How are you guys? How are you this morning? I'm actually, um, you, you see how I didn't even wait to see how you're doing? Because I don't care. It's all about me on this podcast. That's why I don't have guests. Um. Oh, Freckles is fucking wiped out. Um, this is the thing about being a fucking redhead, even when the red part of your head is gone. Um, there's only so much sun that someone like myself can take on during a 48-hour period. Uh, really, only an eight-hour period, or I am going to be in serious fucking problems here. And um, old Freckles spent the entire weekend out in the sun. On Saturday, I went to Long Beach, and I went down there, and I, I watched uh, the Long Beach uh, GP, the Grand Prix down there, whatever the hell they call it. It's fucking amazing, because not only was there a couple of races, there was also, like, people out there trying to qualify for the Indy 500 or something. I didn't get that part. Or maybe they were, like qualifying to try and qualify i don't know how the fuck it works but it was kind of reminded me of like a mini le mans where uh you had all these different classes of cars that were out there racing um and uh it was so fucking cool and i got to go down you know go in the whole pit area whatever the fuck they call it the paddock um and they had BMWs and Porsches and Corvettes, and then they had more indie indie car racing style cars. And um, I got hooked up by a good buddy of mine, and he got this one pass that said to take a hot lap, which really sounds perverted, but you get in a fucking race car, and the guy tears around the track at about 120, 130 miles an hour. Now, I'd already done something like that. Um at the uh, the Indy 500 that time when when for with for all things comedy 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 I interviewed Danica Patrick right before her last race and she took me around in a uh, Camaro so I already did that and my lovely wife was the one who kind of put together the whole Long Beach thing so and I knew that she was bored shitless <laughs> so I was like um can you can my wife go instead of me? And the guy was like, yeah, I mean, if that, that's what you want. I was like, yeah, man, I've already done this. I, you know, I got I to gotta keep her adrenaline going here. And uh, she ended up jumping in this car, and she got into some fucking Porsche, which I guess was worth like fucking 300 grand. 
and this guy tore around the track. She did a little Instagram thing about it, but um, that put a big smile on her face and got her going. I guess, I, I don't know who she drove with, but uh, she thought he was that, that was his job, that that's what the fuck he did, and it turned out he was like some like legendary race car driver who'd won a ton of races or something. Um, but anyways, uh, we ended up having a great fucking time, and uh, dude, that I, I've been meaning to go to that. That is a killer fucking event. The crowd is like crazy into it. And on the first lap of the first race that I saw, um, there was a, there was an accident. And you just heard the crowd go, oh, you know, freaking out because they fucking were watching it up on the TV. And uh, there's a couple of hotels down there, too, for those of you who don't want to sit in the sun like me, that have balconies that l- overlook the racetrack. So it's like basically, you know, you get high enough up a floor it's like you're hovering in a fucking helicopter just watching the whole friggin' race. And then you could have the TV on in your living room. You know what I mean? Then you could burn some coal and do a couple other things to fuck up the atmosphere just for your own fucking personal enjoyment. It was tremendous. I had a moment there where I was almost going to get to meet Bobby Rahal, um, who, as far as I know, is, I think, the first guy who ever won a NASCAR event and then won the Indy 500. Um, that's quite a leap. I don't that you didn't see a lot back then. You know, they were a bunch of good old boys back in the day. Hell, they were just running some car they had shining the fucking weekend before. It was much more like that. I, I caught the tail end, you know, when it was Buddy Baker, Kale Yarborough, Harry Gant, you know, Harry Gant and the Skull Bainet, whatever you have, Buick Regal, whatever the fuck. It, when, this, when the fucking cars still look like something you drive down the street, I caught the tail end of that. Daryl Waltrip. Bobby Bonilla. No, I'm sorry. That's a baseball player, isn't it? Um, the fuck else was out there? Oh, Bill Elliott, the Bill Burr of fucking stock car drivers. You know? People always said I look like Ron Howard. It's like, no, I didn't. I used to look like, I used to look like Bill Elliott, a.k.a. Dollar Bill, um, <laughs> which was never my nickname. Um, what the fuck am I talking about? I'm wiped out. Sorry. And then Sunday... Um, when all this unbelievable sports shit was happening, when Tiger Woods won the match. Oh my God, that was a scary moment. All of a sudden my mixer wasn't working and I was like, holy shit. I believe I just said, oh, no. Like, now what the fuck am I going to do? How am I ever going to go out and buy another $60 fucking two-channel mixer? It's $99 a guitar center. Um, Turns out it's just the outlet in my house. All right. I love it. I love buying an old house with character. It's got a lot of character. You know? See that guy over there? He doesn't work at all. He's got he's got a lot of character. Um, he doesn't have a fucking job. That guy has a lot of character. It's weird how like the way human beings, you're not judged having a lot of character if you don't have a fucking job. But you know, if a house doesn't work at all, it's that's how it's described. It's got a lot of character. It's got a great personality. Um, anyways, Tiger Woods <clears throat> won the master. Ah ladies oh the ladies all these years they were hoping that that motherfucker would never win again 
So their stupid fucking theory that, you know, you know, women always try to take the credit when a, when a great man does something. Whenever a great man achieves something, what do they try to fucking do? They go, well, his, his wife supported him. So when she fucking leaves him, when the guy's old and he's limping around and all that and he can't hit a jump shot anymore and she goes out and takes his fucking house, they always try to say, well, she gave up on her dreams to follow her. Yeah, because her dreams couldn't sell out an arena. Here's one for you, ladies. I don't know why I'm coming at you like you because it's fun. You know what? It's fun. You guys are just getting your fucking asses kicked by all these manginas out there right now sitting there fucking interviewing you specifically white women like you have difficult lives which is just fucking hilarious to me um but it also is the genius of a woman you know what i mean the the manipulating powers of women is is to such a high level their skill at manipulation is such to a high level that literally white women are being interviewed on television right now like there's some sort of like oppressed people (laughs) um what is it like to be a white woman in the United States of America? That has to be so difficult. You have no idea every day when I wake up and I look at my SUV and I'm like, oh, it needs to be vacuumed out. Um, anyways, there's that big fucking stupid fucking argument about support. Whenever somebody great, specifically a man, does something great and then a woman cleans them out or there's credit. You know, or the guy's giving a fucking speech. He always has to thank his fucking wife. You know what I mean? And, you know, we, all guys, we know what this is. Say her fucking name so she's in a good mood on the car ride home. Because God knows her emotions come first before anything else in the fucking relationship. So that's why guys are giving a shout out. But what women do is they take it at face value like they actually had something to fucking do with it. You know what I mean? Ladies, let me ask you this fucking question, okay? Because for all these fucking years, they had this theory that when Tiger's personal life fell apart, that's why his golf game fell apart, which was complete horseshit. All right? If you read any of those stories, the man definitely had the ability to compartmentalize his life. (laughs) That wasn't the issue. From day one, when he was just a kid, when he won his first Masters, Master, Master, right? When he won that in fucking 1997. All these fucking old white guys were going like, this guy's unbelievable. He's going to fucking do this and that. But I'll tell you, the way he swings is such a violent swing. I'm, I'm worried about his back and his knees and all that. They called it. A lot of them were probably hoping it was going to happen because they wanted Jack Nicholson or Nicholas, sorry, to still be at the top. You know, who's kidding who? Golf isn't the exactly the most inclusive fucking sport out there, right? So they're like, I don't want no person to... Uh, color, like they said, person of color, beating fucking uh, like old sucks the sun god Jack Nicholas. <laughs> so they were predicting that his 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 body was going to break down and give out on him, which it did right when his personal life did. So of course everybody gives the Barbie doll all this fucking credit. That she was his rock. She did get the fuck out of here. The guy did it on him by himself. That's it. He did it on his own. At the end of the fucking day, she's not out there swinging the fucking yardstick, all right? You know? And for any women who don't like that shit, let me ask you this, okay? When a woman gives birth and a guy's sitting there supporting her going, come on, you can do it, okay? 
who deserves the lion's share of the credit when the baby gets delivered? Furthermore, who gets the lion's share of the credit? The woman still does. You know what I mean? But you can better believe if we were pushing a kid out of our ass there and the woman was cheering us on, you know, God knows, God knows the court system would be like, well, you know, she played a major role. How come fans for the Patriots haven't gotten their own Super Bowl rings for supporting the Patriots through this incredible Super Bowl run? (laughs) Where's my ring? I supported you, Tom Brady. So anyway, I'm just I'm really talking to a small segment of fucking women out there, but it's fun to fucking trash them. Um, I missed the whole fucking thing. I didn't see any of it. And. I was at I was at Fort Irwin out in the Mojave Desert there, the Mojave Desert, watching the army play some war games. Don't ask me how the fuck this whole thing came together. I did a I did a show at an American Legion. There's a comic there, John Seitz, who who is a veteran himself. And you just go down there and you're smoking cigars with veterans and they ask you shit and you just keep saying yes. The next thing you know. As a bald, red-headed male, you were, you were out in the middle of the fucking Mojave Desert. No business being out there. Fucking in the middle of the God... Well, we actually, we got up at like 5.30. Well, I had to be there at 5.30 in the morning. It was pretty cool. We flew like a Vietnam-era uh, Huey, like the Apocalypse Now one. You know, Charlie doesn't like to surf. You know, we flew that thing up out there. Uh, I got to sit in a Blackhawk and an Apache, talk to all these pilots, and then I watched a fucking war game and uh, ate ate the fucking military meal that they have out there that you you know you cut it open with a knife and there's some fucking psycho thing that you I don't know you kind of rub it together and then you stick the chili in and it heats up. I got to tell you, it was pretty fucking good. All right, granted, I wouldn't want to eat that every goddamn day. For two fucking years in the middle of God knows where. I wouldn't want to do that. But, you know, for one day, you know, it's funny. I'm so Hollywood. They were like, you know, what's funny is this this meal here is actually 5,000 calories because these guys are just fucking sitting out there. These brave men and women are sitting out there, right? For 10 days, they're out there. So, they, you know, they're burning all these calories and shit. And um, immediately I'm so Hollywood, like 5,000 calories. I have an acting gig coming up, and I, I, I can only eat about 1875. That's my target. Ah, but I ate the whole fucking thing. I didn't want to disrespect anybody. So anyways, watch these whole fucking war games, and it was, uh, it was fascinating. They like play. It's almost like laser tag, and they get like these blinking lights on like tanks and shit like that. And uh, if you get hit and it blinks twice, it's considered not a direct hit, but you're, you're I don't know, sort of wounded. And if it blinks four times... That means you're dead. You're out of the game. Your whole tank shuts down. You're not able to communicate with anybody because, you know, theoretically, you're fucking dead. And I just watched how the uh, Black Horse, the home team, they drew in the other teams, basically an away game for the other people. And uh, I kind of, at the end of the day, learned a lot of shit. I don't know a lot of shit, but I learned a lot of shit, like how that terrain is fought in. And it's basically you move through the valleys. You're not going to try to go up and over, certainly with all that, you know, equipment, which isn't something that I ever really even thought about. So you just kind of know, all right, where can they come from? And then they just basically draw them in, you know, 
it's it's like, hey, look at this over here, and they go after that, and then they get I don't know what the proper terminology. They get flanked. I don't know what the fuck it is. They they hit him from the other side. Like, hey, look at my left hand, and then they punch him with the right. It was essentially what they kept doing, and it was working. They kept drawing people in. Like, you'd see them. They'd spot their position. The other team would get excited, and they would just fucking come flying in, guns a-blazing, and then they would just get broadsided. And by the time they figured out where the fire was coming from, it was over. They were fucked. Um, I got to go in an old tank, and I shot a, uh, well, you know, that gun on top, the turret, not turret gun, whatever the fuck it is, that little thing. And you know what I realized in that moment? I could give a shit about guns. <laughs> I am all about aviation. I was hanging on every word of those pilots, asking them how, you know, the whole thing worked, why the tail rotor was that much higher than the main rotor. I could have talked about that all day long, but fucking sitting there, my ears are shot. I don't want to, you know, it was like doing that, you know, something every fucking redneck would get half a woody to go do. And I was up there, I felt guilty. I was just up there like, Jesus Christ, how many bullets are left? My ears are ringing. Fuck. (laughs) Um, I was more fascinated with how you change the fucking, if if one of the, uh, the tracks comes off the tank, how you change that fucking thing and what a bitch it is to change and how long it takes and how fucking pissed off everybody gets. I was more fascinated with that. Um... Although the, the fucking weaponry on the uh, the Apache is pretty cool. You know that thing, the things on the side where it's just like they, uh, it's like a circle thing and like they just kind of, all this shit comes out. One of the pilots was saying, yeah, those things are about as accurate as a bottle rocket. So it's really like this big skill to try and uh, to initially try to get some sort of accuracy with those things. But anyway, we spent like, um, God, we got out there like seven something in the morning. And uh, I took a pictures with a, a lot of the troops out there. And uh, as you notice, it was fucking hilarious. I kept it real. I came out there dressed like a civilian. I wasn't going to go to the Army-Navy store like a friend of mine did, but he was a veteran, and buy some fucking camouflage pants. I walked out. I had, like, the Spicoli vans on. <laughs> I didn't realize we were going out in the middle of the desert. I had this, this fucking windbreaker that my wife bought me. For Christmas, I've only worn it like five times. I don't know how I'm going to get it clean. Um, but I want to thank everybody out there, Fort Irwin. I'm definitely going to come back and do a show. If I can figure out where to do one, I didn't see where they had any sort of a theater or a stage or anything. But I definitely, I was talking to John Seitz that I go, dude, we got to come back out and do a show. Um, these people are great. Um, they treated us awesome. And uh, I don't know, that was that was quite a goddamn experience. Like if I was going to miss the masters and see tiger win, cause I know I can watch that on online. I'll be able to find it, but I heard it was the most exciting Masters since Nicholas in 86. But, um, I don't know. It was amazing. And what was killer was every fucking, um, army guy, a woman that even remotely knew who I was said, Hey, I love F is for family. Not one of them said anything about my stand-up, which was so fucking cool. So I'm kind of feeling like after three seasons of Ephesus Family, it's finally breaking through. Um, anyway, so thank you to everybody out there, Fort Irwin. I, I want to come back out and do a show, all right? Not in the middle of the fucking desert. I need a stage 
in an air conditioned bunker. You give me that, and I'll I'll be I'll be back out there. Other than that, I'll maybe I'll I'll go out there in the winter time. I'll do a nighttime show when all them creepy critters come out. I guess there's some turtle out there too that's like endangered. So if they come upon it, they're supposed to let people know. And then they come out and they remove it and they stick it somewhere else. And uh, the big joke is the reason why it's endangered is because if you come up and you try and pick it up, its defense mechanism is it empties all the fluids out of itself, bodily fluids, and then it, like it dies of like dehydration immediately. It's like, well, I mean, if that's your if your defense is to essentially kill yourself, um, I don't know how long you can be around. I, I would I wouldn't assume that that would be something you could do. All right, anyways. Um, Congratulations to Tiger Woods. I, I when I got off, you know, when I came back to uh you know, the helicopter we were gonna fly back, I turned my phone back on and uh you know, I got all these messages from Verzi and Bartnick and all these guys flipping out about Tiger. I was like, Oh my god, you gotta be kidding me. And uh so I immediately looked up Tiger Woods and I saw that picture of him when he sunk sank the puck the putt. Sank the putt and um I can't remember the last time I was that happy for an athlete. Cannot fucking remember. So fucking great. And now he's got like, what, 15 or 16 and Jack has 18. If he at 43 puts it all back together, I mean, Jack won one in in 86. He was 46 years old, so he can definitely do it. But And I thought, I remember seeing him, I watched the beginning of the Masters and I saw him and he looked like he was in really good shape. Um, ah, that's just, I mean, how great is that for golf? I can't imagine what the fucking ratings were and then the amount of jackasses who are now going to go take up the game. That guy has been the greatest thing for golf, you know, of the last, you know, quarter century. Like he's basically had the sport on his back. Um so it's so great to see that guy come back. Uh, congratulations, Tiger Woods. And congratulations to your Boston Bruins tying up the series. The Maple Leafs first the Boston Bruins. I'll tell you, it's a tale of two different games. This is my takeaway from both games. I would say in game one, the Bruins got lulled into the Maple Leafs game. Up and down, end to end. Fucking defensemen getting caught up ice, whatever the fuck they were doing. We let up like, I felt like six breakaways. They had a breakaway goal and then they scored on a penalty shot. It's just like, what the fuck is, what, this isn't how we play. And then in game two, I thought the Maple Leafs got drawn into the Bruins' uh, physical play. And, you know, I thought on both games, both, like the Bruins lost their composure in the first game. And I thought the Leafs kind of lost their composure in the second game. As far as like, not sticking to their game plan and getting drawn into it's like watching a boxing match and a boxer gets drawn into the center of the ring for a brawl you know because the other guy kind of gets him into that macho fucking mode so game three i would assume is tonight like i said i was kind of off the grid this weekend and um by the way i gotta look it up right now what the fuck is happening down in tampa that is the only fucking time after game two when columbus beat uh beat the lightning that's the only time i've ever seen what is it tortorelli it's the only time i've seen that guy smile like that like he he looked elated oh my god they fucking lost again are you fucking kidding me 
I mean, it's fucking over. I was just going to say Columbus has to win game three because you can't wake the sleeping giant. That is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Good fucking Lord. I got to watch the NHL Network. What is What are the Columbus Blue Jackets doing that the Bruins couldn't fucking do? Playoff shot. Columbus wins again. Goes up 3 nothing. Okay. Here's some quotes. Everyone's got to step up. Everyone's got to play solid, solid game. And we've got to make it a little bit harder. That was Tyler Johnson. I don't know who that is. I don't know who anybody is. I got a kid now. I don't know who fucking plays for who. All right, game three, Steven Stamkos. Now, I, I believe he's still playing with Tampa. Uh, he said, to have no power plays in a game is pretty surprising. You have to earn those, and I thought we played well in the third, but it's no consolation right now with the position we're in. Sort of complaining, but not really. Our focus has to be coming out and playing with that same pace, the same execution, that same desperation right from the start. Play one period at a time, said Ryan McD- I don't know who the fuck any of these people are. Um, somebody asked a question. When was the last time Tampa won a Stanley Cup? Why, that would be 2004. That would be 2004. Um, Jesus Christ. You know, I went to a game out there in Columbus, and I was very impressed with their fans, and that was early on. They were all in. They were into the fucking game, so congratulations to them. Tampa Bay Lightning fans, fuck. I've been there. Lord knows I've been there. I've been there as a fan where you fucking kicked the shit and left my first year watching the Boston Bruins. Like, really? like No, my first year I went to a game was that 83 season. Was it 83, 84? We won the President's Trophy or something. We had Pete Peters, and he was like the best goalie in the league and all of that. And the first round was best three out of five, and the Canadians came in, and they were like fourth place in the Adams division, and we drew them, and those fucking assholes came in and swept us, like they always did back then. And uh, the first game, that was the first Boston Bruin game I ever went to. Um I was taking French, and the French kids had come over, and they took them to a game. And you had to buy the tickets through our French teacher. It was pretty cool. And we all went down to the old Boston Garden, and I remember we went in there, and we were sitting with the French kids, and it took me about eight seconds to realize that those fucking assholes started rooting for the Canadians because uh, they started hearing all that Blue Blanc Rouge and all that fucking, which is so fucking ridiculous because the French don't even respect the fucking French Canadians. They don't consider them real French. They consider them farmers. Um, but I got to hand it to those French kids. They were fucking waving these, these Montreal Canadian flags right in the faces of these drunk fucking Bruins fans in the upper deck. But I think because they were French and they just weren't American jerk-offs, they somehow got away with it. But I remember... My French teacher, teacher looking over at me, like making this face, like, do these fucking kids know what they're doing? This is getting pretty intense. Um, oh my God, would that have been hilarious if a brawl broke out and the next day we went to fucking French class? <laughs> you know what would be hilarious is nothing would happen as far as like back then, where now that would be like a national news story. Like, what was that French teacher thinking? 
bringing these poor immigrants down to that hostile environment. Look at this cell phone footage. That wouldn't have happened. Do you realize I grew up in an era where something like that could have happened and no, the people in the section would not even have known the backstory of what went down. They would have thought it was just a bunch of fucking cunts who came down from Montreal and got their asses kicked. They wouldn't realize. No, that was like teenagers from France. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so game three, I imagine, is tonight. Uh, huge fucking game. Huge game. we got to take control of the goddamn series. Uh, Toronto is such a good team. And I was not believing in their goaltender there, that Anderson guy. And... Um, Basically, I watched one game and he mishandled the puck twice. So I was like, I know about hockey, but he's been playing great. Certainly in that first game, that first game we had like, I feel like we had 20 more shots than the Leafs did and they still came in and won. So Leafs have a really good team and I really like the Leafs. You know what I mean? Um, always have. Um, so like I said, if we don't beat the Leafs in this series, uh, that they're going to be the team that I'm going to be rooting for. Um, although Columbus, I mean, that's a fun story. Now, if they beat Tampa, Jesus Christ. And I've, I haven't seen a second of that series. I'm missing the whole friggin' thing. I'm running around like a lunatic. Why, Bill? Why is that? Because we got the last episode of F is for Family for season four. We're writing it this week. Uh, but what happens at this time of the season is as you're writing the episode, you're also getting the first animatics, which is the first rough drawings, and then you have to go back and punch that stuff up and look at the edits. So it starts to become like, uh, rather than one giant wave writing the script, it starts becoming a series of waves hitting the beach. And uh, old Freckles gets busy here. But uh, I definitely got to tune in to watch that game four um, of that Columbus series. And, uh, and of course, I'm going to be watching my Bruins tonight. All right, what else? Oh, <clears throat> big announcement. This is uh, something I've been trying to do for a while. Um, I have a charity show coming up um, on uh, August 1st at the Wilbur, Boston, Massachusetts. Yours truly is going to be there with a bunch of other uh, Boston comics. It's for the, uh, the Travis Roy Foundation. It's Laughing With Your Buddies for the Travis Roy Foundation. Travis Roy, of course was a great hockey player for the Boston Bruins. And unfortunately, um, you know, he broke his neck and got paralyzed playing for the team. And um, I remember where I was when I saw that story. That story really affected everybody living in Boston. And um, I was, I've been trying to, to get involved with their charity for a long time, and it's finally going to happen. And um, this is basically, yeah, the... the you know, this is the most important show I'm doing of the year, man. This is a this is a huge thing to be able to uh, do something for the Travis Roy Foundation. I've been able to email back and forth with him. He's a great dude, obviously, um, with a great heart, super positive, and he's doing such great things for people who are in a similar situation as him. It's going to be August first at uh, at the Wilbur Theater. The venue presale is Wednesday and Thursday. Tickets are on sale Friday. Uh, www.thewilbur, W-I-L-B-U-R.com slash artist slash Bill Burr, Bill Dash Burr, another backslash. Jesus Christ. Why don't we just fucking tweet the goddamn link? I think that that's what we're, what we're going to do. I can't wait to do that show. Um, oh, Freckles is going to have a fun summer. I got a, uh, got an acting gig 
and uh, that shoots back on the East Coast. Um, some of you saw my General Hospital trailer. So that's a first. That a soap opera actually released a trailer, but I like to think I did such a good job on General Hospital that they they want to hype my my three episode arc. It's actually just one episode. Um, all right. And then new to all things comedy. Check this out. All things comedy going international here. All right. <laughs> this, this is the copy to all my Mandarin speaking listeners, which I hope there's some. The Mandarin Dream Podcast with Feng Chow, Feng Chow. I said it wrong there. Feng Chow, a Beijing born Los Angeles comedian. I met him the other night at the comedy store who talks about his experience growing up in a culture that didn't worship American comedy to being right in the middle of it as a comedy store employee and stand-up comedian. Um, it's available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. And this podcast is basically, it's in Mandarin and in English. And uh, we're very excited that he's come on board here at All Things Comedy and opened us up to, I don't know, a billion possible new listeners over in China. So what's up to everybody, mainland China? <laughs> Welcome to All Things Comedy. I hope you enjoy his podcast. Um, if you can find a way to listen to it, because I'm not sure. You know, I know they black out the fucking internet over there from what I've heard. As far as the American propaganda done told me, I don't know if it's true or not. Um, all right, let's read some of, some of the advertising here. For the week, uh, for hymns, I ask you, do you want a bald spot to pop up on your hairline? Oh, sorry. Do you want a bald spot to pop up or your hairline to recede? Hey! Or do you want to do something about it first? Why do guys turn to weird solutions? Because <laughs> they don't want to go bald or do nothing. Because uh, they've dealt with it. They accepted it. That's how I dealt with balding. I fucking, I, I acted like that fucking turtle out in the Mojave Desert. I just fucking rolled over and died. Um, anyways, when they can turn to medicine and science, this really is like a thing. Like, I guess you don't have to go bald anymore. It's funny. The other guy I was working with was also bald, and we were talking about, um, he was going, are you getting those old age spots on top of your head? I said, no fucking way, dude. I do not have my bald head in the sun whatsoever. And he goes, yeah, man, it sucks. And then we just started laughing. I go, you know, it's fucking crazy with all this stem cell research. They can literally grow a fucking ear in a goddamn Petri dish and they can't come up with um, a solution to balding. And uh, and we were both laughing about it. I go, yeah, but you know what's fucking funny? Once you shave your head, like I don't think I would want to go back. There is something great. If you shave your head, you're always ready to go. <laughs> All you got to do is throw in a shirt with a f that's fucking ironed and you look like, I don't know, you had a spa day. Um, this is probably not shit to be saying in a solution for bald. Don't end up like me talking to another bald guy in a parking lot after being in a desert all day, acting like you like looking like a fucking poor man's Yule Brenner. Anyways, no more. War no more. Uh, anyways, for hymns.com is a one shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. This is basically, a, this is just putting the entire male ego back together. Okay, they're going to give you a lion's mane of hair. They're going to clear up your skin. Your dick is going to be standing up at attention. What the fuck more do you need? Um, no more awkward in-person doctor visits. 
Oh, long pharmacy lines. Oh, that's the worst. I went to a couple of those when I was considering trying to do something about my situation. You just sit in the waiting room looking at other fucking balding guys and you try not to make fucking eye contact. Um, For hymns, connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours. Completely confidential and discreet online. Um, Answer a few questions. A doctor will review and they determine if, uh, if it's right for you. Uh, can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door. Get the hair loss treatment everyone is talking about. Featured in GQ, Men's Health, Esquire, and Playboy, to name a few. My listeners can get started with the Hims Complete Hair Kit for just $5 right now while supplies last. And subject to doctor approval, see website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else. Go to forhims, H-I-M-S, dot com slash burr. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash burr, forhims.com slash burr. All right, only one other read, guys. Lastly, but not leastly, uh, better help. Um, is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from from achieving your goals? If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional, professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, uh, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, um, grief, self-esteem, Jesus Christ, and more. Seems like a long list. Shorten as needed. It says in a parentheses. Why wow, you guys fucking kind of doing everything over there? Um, Sasquatch, shapeshifter, whatever your fucking problem is. Uh, connect with your professional counselor in in a safe and private online environment. Anything you share is confidential online <laughs> and it's so convenient people okay both of these things are great for hims and better help nothing is confidential online it's confidential until somebody fucking shares it or 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 get you, you get your fucking site hacked all right online security is is the this decades the uh the checks in the mail all right you can now get your own help you can get your own time at your own pace well, you can get help at your own time at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist. If you're not happy, if you're not happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time. No additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. And for my listeners, get 10% off your first month and discount code BURR. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash BURR. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. BetterHelp.com slash Burr. Oh! All right, what else did I want to talk about? Was there anything else? Uh, Lewis Hamilton, once again, finally had his first like, great start of the year. Blew right by Valtteri Botas, who had the pole position, and that was pretty much it. And I've been watching racing, F1 racing long enough to know that when Lewis Hamilton gets to first in that first turn, the fucking race is over. It's over. And I also know that if he's in second or third place and there's only 10 laps to go and he has no chance of winning the race, he's going to start complaining. 
I don't understand why other people aren't helping me out here. Um, <clears throat> I was really hoping Botas was going to win that because uh, I didn't realize the first year when I watched um, what a great fucking year that was to watch two drivers on the same team compete for it and not help each other and smash into each other. What the fuck was that guy's name? The guy retired. I can't remember his name. Um, anyway, plowing ahead. I did not see the MotoGP race. I have a lot of shit to get caught up on because I was out in the desert. Um, I was being such a fucking asshole when I was out there too. Like they were explaining all this military stuff to me and I was just standing there in my fucking vans and my, my, uh, Pete Carroll khakis and they would explain all this military shit. And then they would just be like, do you have any questions? And I was just like, um, kid, I bet the stars at night are incredible out here. Can you see the stars a lot better than you can without the thing? And the fucking, there was a guy with special forces and he totally rolled with it. He was like, absolutely. It makes you question your existence. We're just this speck of dust. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a lot of ball breaking out there, and it reminded me of back in the day when I used to work in a warehouse, and all we did was just give each other shit all day. It was the most fun fucking thing ever. And uh, at some point, because one of the guys on Special Forces was also had a kid around my age, we both started going off on that show, Fancy Nancy. And... Uh, and what an asshole she is and how we both are watching her going like this. I don't want my daughter watching this shit. And they watch it. Oh, cause she's fancy and she's totally into like status and who her friends are and having tree forts and not letting people in. And is trying to fill up her life with like fucking clothes and shit. Like that's going to fill up her passion. And we were just trashing it, laughing our asses off. And at some point we said that the working title of that, the, fir- the working title of it was actually Cunty Kathy, but they couldn't get it on the air or something like that. I forget, but we just fucking sitting there in the middle of this desert, just laughing our balls off about this fucking cartoon. And then all of a sudden this war games thing started. And, um, I don't know. I want to thank everybody once again, who was out there, man, that was a hell of an experience that I will definitely not forget. Um, so anyway, all right, let's see. Let's read some of the questions here for this week. All right. Um, okay, so I, I sent out a tweet as a joke saying, you know, I wish somebody from England could explain to me the different leagues in soccer. And I was doing that as a joke because last week when I fucking thought that Man City had lost a league game and that what's-his-face is, you know, it's so fucking stupid. It's not a fucking league game, but they still add the points or don't have the points. I don't fucking get it. It's so fucking ridiculous. Like, this is just a friendly. The middle of the season. Let's just play a fucking game for the fuck of it. And then there's the Champions League. Anyway, so I have all these fucking English cunts put down their fish and chips for a fucking minute, right? And waddled their bloated upper bodies with their skinny fucking legs over to their computer and just started. They, it was hilarious. They were fucking livid at me. Um, and so I was just sort of being a, a dick going, I wish someone would explain it to me. So maybe if I could see if I could get them to start writing in capital letters. <clears throat> but what ended up happening was because I wrote it nicely <clears throat> rather than being a dick here. Sorry, I still got fucking sand in my throat. Um, uh, they actually 
sent me a bunch of emails to try to explain it to me. So now I can't break their balls anymore. So, all right. So here's the deal. This is basically explaining all the different leagues. Soccer has has a playoff, but it's called the Champions League. The top four Premier League teams at the end of the season make the playoffs just like the divisions in American sports. See, I didn't know this. Um, the team with the most points in the Premier League basically wins the President's Trophy. The biggest difference is that the playoffs happen at the same time as the regular season. I, I see. I, I need more explanation. There. So that basically means that the season is a playoff. All right, so the Tottenham win over Man City happened in the playoffs. What? Liverpool is currently in the playoffs, and there are no tie games. If you get a chance, watch the Champions League. It's really awesome to watch. Thanks, and go fuck yourself. Yeah, now see, I would watch that. Now, why didn't somebody just tell me that from the beginning? But the Champions League is also, it's not just the top four teams. I thought there was something like with like Switzerland. I don't know. I'm just going to keep asking questions till I get it. Because now that seems that seems exciting to me, as opposed to just you know, well, we met twice during the regular season and I lost both fucking games, but I still have more points to you, so I win the Premier League. I don't, I don't know. Anyways, um, <coughs> this is Biden, dear Billy Night Nightshades. I'm not offended by your take on Biden because I don't really get offended, and I'm not outraged by Biden. Biden. Okay, so now you know immediately this person's going to fucking be offended. My opinion, however, is different than yours, which despite what they tell us on the new, the news is okay. All right. I would take another look at the video of him groping side boob and shit. If that was a guy I work with, I'd have the same opinion. And it happens... When the guy is next to a podium, not on the dance floor, sending signals, some of the girls are young. It's just weird, and I'm not even saying he's got bad intentions. You just can't touch strangers that long. Ha ha. And I totally understand the it was from a different time thing, but my dad never rubbed up on people, and he served in Korea and drove a cutlass. Love you and love the podcast. Oh, here's the thing about the Joe Biden thing. I didn't even see that. I, I saw like half a clip before I went out on Conan. They go, you want to talk about that? I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking talk about it. <laughs> I don't pay attention to shit. I'm just so fucking sick of everybody having their fucking career ended on, on, on a fucking, you know, a two-minute tripping penalty. And everybody else sitting there fucking acting like they're good people. As I've said from day one, if everybody's fucking text messages were made public... Could anybody go to work next Monday? Nobody. Nobody could. So everybody's got to stop fucking, like this fucking witch hunt that like, you know, for your own fucking, this is the thing too. The amount of people that are going to watch Biden's dream of becoming president get destroyed just for the entertainment purpose of it. That's all they want to do. And there's another thing, too, is because there's so many different ways to just sit down and watch shit. There's so much shit to fucking watch. There's so much way, so many ways to watch shit that one of ratings grabbing is fucking stirring up controversy. Jesus Christ, do you remember the fucking family feud? Richard Dawson was like tongue kissing every fucking chick on the goddamn fucking thing. 
There was no fucking problem. He hosted a few. Right? It was fine. Everybody fucking sitting there getting uncomfortable. It didn't happen to you. Nothing happened to you. This isn't your fucking story. If the woman's uncomfortable, she should say something. Jesus fucking Christ. The amount of that shit where it's just like so-and-so said this, but did they really mean that? Should Peyton Manning be upset? Well, he's obviously not upset, ESPN. I remember that one from back in the day. I don't know. I'm I'm one of these fucking people that it's just like if, if that's between the fucking people involved. I don't know what their fucking relationship is, and neither do you. For all you know, he was maybe the side boob chick he's fucking banging. And afterwards, she's just like, dude, what the fuck? Don't grab my tit on fucking TV. They're going to know we're fucking banging. There's a possible scenario. Look at me with no evidence. I can do it, too. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm not in I'm not in the fucking business of fucking making up shit and trying to fucking get people in trouble. Am I? Maybe I am as a comedian. I don't know. I just feel like I'm fucking joking around. And like this this fucking thing where you just shove a microscope up everybody's ass. They're all human. They're all fucking flawed. I remember back in the day when I worked in a warehouse, there was this fucking manager guy. He was too fucking touchy feely. And you know what? We all fucking dealt with it. It was fucking hilarious when he'd get you and everybody else would just be laughing at you. But nowadays, that guy would lose his fucking job. He'd have to be a registered fucking sex offender. I remember I used to fucking try to make sure I was like, you know, you had to have your head on a swivel when that guy fucking came in. Big fucking doughboy looking dude, right? So I was at the vending machine. And I was, uh, I was, I, I've told this story before. I was trying, I forget what the fuck I was trying to buy. Some fucking food or whatever. And uh, as you do at a vending machine. And he came walking in. He goes, oh, hey, Bill, how you doing? As he was walking by me from left to right, he slapped his hand on my left shoulder and then dragged it across my entire back as as he was walking past and then squeezed my right fucking shoulder like it was a perky titty. <laughs> like he was squeezing the Charmin. And I was just like, ah! uh. I mean, it took like a decade and a half to fucking shake that thing off. Now, should that guy have been doing that? No. Do I think I need to report him? And he should fucking then lose his job. And then this is on him for the rest of his fucking life. No, he's just weird. He's a weird guy. Okay. He didn't fucking diddle me, drug me and throw me in a van. He fucking, he he fucking, I don't know. He got a little too friendly. He gave me the heebie-jeebies. Okay. Now I don't think giving somebody the heebie-jeebies should fucking end your career. I think you ought to be able to sit down with them and be like, listen, could you do me a favor? Can you just say hello? Like, granted, he was... <clears throat> sorry. Granted, he was my boss. And I was younger, and I didn't know how to fucking say that. But, I mean, you know, what if fucking Jesus Christ? Every fucking thing. Everything is just the biggest... 
Oh, you know what I did? I went back into the warehouse and I fucking told everybody. And I got such a big laugh telling the story. It was almost worth it that he did it. In fact, it was worth it. I don't give, I didn't give a shit. I didn't feel fucking triggered and all of that fucking crap. Every fucking thing. You know, but I got to tell you something right now. Anybody who fought in Korea and drove a fucking Olds Cutlass is all right with me. Um, all right. White people challenging uh, racism. Hey, Mr. Billy Baldwin. I like that. That's a new one. Play on the Baldwin thing. Oh, people done that before, but that's in a different different way, right? Anyways, uh, I'm a fellow mass hole that used to work in the athletics department. Eddie, don't call me a mass hole. It's just shaming an entire state, and I feel like every state brings something to the table. Speaking of which, Fort Irwin, I, I learned when I was there, the square mileage, square mileage, the square miles of that. Um training facility that base is bigger than the state of rhode island how how crazy is that um anyways the class where the fuck am i i am a fellow mass hole that used to work in the athletics department at a small college in one of those rich suburbs of boston hey they they ain't all rich there buddy i wanted to hear your opinion on a professional development class that i was forced to go to The class was titled White People Challenging Racism. Two middle-aged women ran the class. One white lady that had to mention that she had a black husband every other sentence. (laughs) And the other, a black lady who referenced the book that she wrote every other sentence. Oh, my God. This is like a sketch. I wish I was there. Long story short. The class was about how the only people that can be racist in America are white people because they hold the power over every minority. Uh, their big finale, you see, you wrote their big finally. Their big finale uh, was showing a video from the 90s of a high school science teacher showing kids that all people share the same DNA and we're one race, which I mentioned, yeah. They taught me that in middle school, social studies and science class. I thought everyone knew this. The black professor also came over to me and my coworker after we had finished reviewing and said, you two look like you don't want to be here. My coworker and I looked at each other and explained how we had finished the work she just assigned, which was to point out how the video she showed us was racist. Overall, it was a very uncomfortable experience, and I was just wondering how you would have responded in this training. Sorry for the long email. Love your stuff, and hope you and your family are well. From a fellow mass hole. All right. <clears throat> okay, a lot of stuff here. All right. The wording of that is so stupid. To say that white people are the only ones that they have the ability to be racist is because they hold the power over other every other minority is such a stupid fucking way of conveying that thought to a group of people that you want to be receptive of that information that's immediately going to put every white person on the defensive and be like what the fuck and then start sending fucking email questions to some shitheads podcast who sits in his basement and talks to himself um i would have worded that differently 
I would have said that the reason why white people being racist is the worst is because they hold they do hold the power over every other minority. So the effect of them being racist um, is so much more painful. All right. And if I was in that class, what I would have said, I would I would have said is what you what you're saying. And I'm not saying this is with all white people, because not every white person is in a position of power. But overall, all the powerful positions, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of them seems to be held by white people. What I would have what I would say and what I have said to people, you know, when they try to come out with that white guys are evil shit, it's. Like, no, they're not. They're not inherently evil. What you're seeing with white people is human beings with unchecked power. The result of that. Okay, so what you would then see is if another group were to get that power, they would behave in the exact same way. And what I would say is the Me Too movement. If you look at how these powerless women then handled the power of being able to destroy, you know, first of all, get get people who did something wrong all and then how quickly that spun out of fucking control to just like um, I was in a toxic relationship, which who the fuck hasn't been? Who the fuck can't look on back on their dating history and be like, Jesus Christ, I should have got out of that relationship fucking two dates in. And then we would have avoided all of that fucking drama of screaming and yelling at each other. But that Me Too shit went from like these fucking horrible guys that were taking their dicks out and doing all this fucking horrible shit um, to then just like he yelled at me, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you just saw how that that whole fucking thing has spun out of control. I thought uh, how uh, I don't want to fucking stir up the name here again, how a certain fucking group prevented a, a certain fucking performer from doing a dream gig this year. I thought that their unchecked power, that they went from, despite the fact that they became a, an entity to protect victims, they actually became the bully in that point where this person had already fucking apologized. So there needs to be more of that because the ultimate goal is to get white people to understand the position of somebody who isn't white. So when you come at people that way, that's that's how it's done on the internet in a more crass way, which I've always said is when somebody's presenting an opinion, they'll be like, uh, hey, fuckhead, maybe if you fucking blah, 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 blah. They start with, hey, fuck, like who's listening after that? Um, so. And it's weird because I understand because that's one of the first huge fights I got in with Patrice O'Neill when he said it was impossible for black people to be raped. I was like, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? And, uh, and then I later found out he was quoting like Spike Lee and it wasn't even his quote. <laughs> um, but that whole, that whole thing where that woman came over to me and if she, if she came on me and said, you two look like you don't want to be here. Uh, you got to go right back at a person like that. You two look like you don't want to be here. And I would be like, and I would just look at I go, what, what is that based on? And I would throw it right back at her. So now you're coming over here judging me and my vibe. And you're coming over here with like this aggressive thing with this, this veiled sort of, I'm going to report you because you weren't sitting here with the big smile on your face. What do you want me to do now? Be reverse Louis Armstrong? 
while I listen to this shit? Is that what I'm supposed to fucking do? You told me to do this and I did it. This is the thing. Like, but you're not allowed to say that in that. It's like, well, you kind of came the whole fucking way you entered this was not the way to, that's just not the fucking way to do it. You know? And then if somebody's up there while they're doing that, also trying to sell books, the whole thing is fucking hilarious. You two look like you don't want to be here. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking about where the nearest Barnes and Noble was so I could go out and buy your book. <laughs> Do you have any sort of guilt that you're trying to make money off of this? Um, yeah. So here's the thing. I see, I see both sides of that. Like, like white people challenging racism. That's a uh, weird title for what happened. Um, I thought that that was going to be like, you know, when white people do that thing, when somebody, a a black person talks about racism and they go like, slavery was like 180 years ago. Fucking get over it. Like they do that shit. Like I thought that that's what this email was going to be about, Um, which obviously is astoundingly ignorant. And uh, it didn't affect so many people's lives. It would be actually funny on some fucking level. Um. Yeah, so that's my take on that. So if anybody does that, like the, the big thing about when you're presenting an opinion, and God knows I learned this by doing it the wrong way for, for fucking 40 of my 50 years, is you have to enter your point in a way that keeps the other people's deflector shields down so they can hear what you're saying and then also feel that you're not saying that they are the thing that you're talking about. Um, that would be my suggestion. And... um when you're doing that, you know, I don't know. I, that fucking lady there just sitting there, <laughs> just sitting there going, because I got a black husband. Um, I've ridden a black dick, so I feel like I should be here. Um, we need a white person that's halfway into the black world here to tr- maybe help the white people that are fully in the white world to bridge the gap between themselves and then this african-american woman here who's going to try to inform them while selling books um all right titanic theory all right hey bill hey there billy false flag uh do you know the theory behind the titanic sinking uh in short jp morgan owned the titanic and the olympic completely identical ships the olympic was damaged in port before it could be insured According to a shipyard captain at the time, Morgan had all the identification changed, so it said Titanic on the now weakened Olympic. Get the fuck out of here. Morgan was supposed to be on the ship, but fell ill at the last minute. Important side note, this was all while Morgan was fighting for a central banking system so he can manipulate U.S. markets even more. Also, the voyage on the voyage were two billionaires who opposed the federal system and stood in Morgan's way. There's a lot of good info on this one, Billy. Would love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to read about it. What you're basically doing here is you're presenting motive, all right, where he would definitely have a motive, if all of that is true, but how do you prove the old switcheroo? Which is what a lot of um, conspiracy theory starts off with. 
And it reminds me of this great Robert Klein joke when he was making fun of those people at late night that would tell you uh, how to get rich. And he would start it off. He goes, okay, you have no money, so you buy a house. And then you take the equity in the house you don't own, and like it all starts off with this giant leap of bullshit. Like, wait a minute, I don't have uh, any money. How do I buy a house? Um, how do you pr- how do you prove to me well, the Olympic was damaged in port before it could be insured? I mean, how bad was it damaged? No, I I, I don't believe this. I don't believe it. I, yeah, I, I simply don't believe that. So what, it already had holes in it and then they just sent it out? I No, I don't believe that. Um, and also, I think the people, the way they examined the boat when they found it, didn't everything kind of fall in place? I, yeah, I, I don't believe that. The old me would have believed it. Yeah, the me from 10 years ago would have believed it. Um, I, but I'll, I'll look it up. That's that's fascinating shit. That makes for a great. I'll tell you, it makes for a great fucking movie. All right, high school sweetie reached out to me. Oh Jesus, dear Bill, longtime listener of the podcast, seen all your specials. Look forward to season four of F is for F is for family. I am twenty two and have been listening to the podcast for the last five years. Tremendous. Uh, the other day, I literally put myself in in. I put you in my shoes. Like if all of a sudden, if you were 50 and your high school sweetheart reached out to you, how weird that would be because both of you would be married or divorced. It would be crazy. Um, Anyways, I am 22 and I've been listening to the podcast for the last five years. The other day, my high school sweetie texted me out of the blue explaining that I was on her mind and she couldn't hold back her feelings of curiosity. So she texted me. Well, that was smart. That's what she should do. You're young. This is all this is all above board. No, no Biden, no Biden. Um, no side boob. I now live in a different city, have a new girlfriend and my ex and I haven't spoken in over a year. Oh, so you only broke up with her a year ago. I thought you hadn't talked to her since high school. Oh, okay. In the past, she has reached out to me when she's having difficulties in her current relationship. And in my opinion, would text me to test the waters to see if I was ready to get back together with her. And of course, things would always escalate to the bedroom. Her text went on to say that the next time I was in town, we should get together for coffee or something and, quote, catch up. Uh, I was skeptical, but played along and agreed. Wait, you have a new girlfriend here, man. I don't know about this, but you're young. This is what you do. I was skeptical, but played along and agreed. She then went on to say that she has the cutest puppy and I just have to meet. All right, now she's drawing you into her house or her apartment. And I was even more skeptical of her true intentions. Jesus, you're acting like the white guy in every fucking horror movie when I was growing up. I need to investigate. I asked her if she still lived with her current boyfriend. And she said, no, it's complicated. So, Bill, would I just be dumb to actually meet up with her and chat with the thought that maybe she actually wants to catch up? Or should I just stay away, reaching out to you because you've always been great with advice and relationship, which wish you and your family all the best. <clears throat> all right. Let me get to the top of this thing here. Um, I now live in a different city and have a new girlfriend. 
All right, you have a girlfriend, dude, so you should know. You should not be doing this. Would you be cool if your new girlfriend was fucking catching up with her old old boyfriend who got a new goldfish and wanted her to come by his apartment to check it out? You know what she wants to do. I know. My listeners know. And you know. Your dick is taking you over there, buddy. You don't seem like you, you didn't mention one time that you still have feelings for this woman at all. I think it's some fucking throwback pussy that you're going to. Uh, it's not fair to your new girlfriend. You shouldn't fucking do it unless you still have feelings for this woman, at which point you should not be in a relationship with this other new girlfriend. and You should figure that out. But all is forgiven because you're only 22 years old, you know, and you have a dick. So these are tough years as a guy. You don't know what the fuck to do. So, no, I would not go. I, I would, you know. If I could go back and talk to the 22-year-old me, I would say don't do shit like this. Um, Especially now, okay, where you have social media and all that, and there's nothing preventing her after you hook up with her, which you know you're going to do. There's nothing preventing her from fucking, you know, when she finds that she know you have a girlfriend, she probably doesn't. And if she finds out, you know, you're going to get caught. The whole fucking thing's going to blow up in your face, you know. And, and that's going to be it. So I would not do it. I wouldn't do it. It's not fair to the girlfriend that you have. But um, I don't know. You, the weird thing about all of this is I don't think you're into either one of these women. I think you should be single. Because <laughs> you have a new girlfriend. You didn't say that I love that's fucking awesome and blah, 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 blah. You didn't say that. And then you didn't say that you still love your ex. Um, I think you're trying to fuck both these chicks is what I'm thinking. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. And I would also try to assess how you feel about your new girlfriend before you waste her time and break her heart. You might want to be single is what I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards that. I don't have enough information here, but that's, I didn't see any sort of, uh, you know, my high school sweetheart. I felt like I could be with her. I thought this was the one I never heard that. And I never heard that about the new one. So I'm just going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. So, Good luck with that situation, sir. Um, it's a tricky one. All right, that's the podcast, everybody. Um, I'm going to watch the MotoGP and uh, get caught up in sports, some sports and try to catch the uh, Tiger Woods Masters, at least some fucking highlights, something of it. Um, once again, Travis Roy tickets, foundation tickets go on sale. Uh, the pre-sale is this freaking Wednesday and Thursday. I'm going to tweet, tweet, uh, sorry, tweet the link instagram it and all of that shit uh, facebook it and uh please come down it's going to be a great great night a stand up for uh, a great foundation and uh that's it go fuck yourselves and i'll check in on you on thursday